0: Welcome to Growing Up Fire with Jamie Coots, Seahawk, it is our commitment to you that you have complete access to the top professionals, industry experts, and products for your fire service. We stand by the service and products we provide. We are proud of our past and we are constantly listening to our customers and exploring new ways to bring better options to the fire service. This is Seahawk. High level, safety, service, security. Please visit our website at www.seahawkservice.ca or give us a call at one 791 4210 all right. Welcome to season two, episode 24. I'm here in Summerside PEI with Ron Enman. Here's a fire chief with a few things uh, up his sleeve. So we'll go through a bunch of that today. Thanks for having me in today, Ron. No problem, man. So we were just looking at your uh, your beautiful fire truck front. Your, let's call it a bar or whatever you want to call it. It's an old American La France. And so you want to just, you were telling me that story and I want you to just tell me again, kind of how you got that thing.
1: Well, we saw one uh, over at uh, in Moncton where we get our trucks repaired. They had to uh, kind of stuck over the front of a desk. And I just thought it was always something that uh, would be kind of cool, especially in the planning stages for a new hall. I just thought uh, at the entrance when the kids come in or for a tour or whatever, we'd have this sitting there. So we come across, uh, we found out there was an old fire truck at the junkyard out on the Blue Shank Road, not far from here. So uh, one of my deputies, Clay, he knew the owners, asked them, and it's yours for the taking. So we went out and uh, let me tell you, it's it's a big job to take the front end skin off of a fire truck.
0: (laughs) Halfway through you're like, this is terrible. (laughs) Yeah, it was, uh,
1: anyways, no, it went well. It turned out fantastic and uh, we're very proud of it. And uh, hopefully it'll find a home in the new hall. For sure. It looks
0: beautiful. I'll post it so everyone can have a look. Now, what really got me about this thing, other than how nice it is, we looked it all over, but at the bottom it says, serving Summerside since 1863. Yeah, we're, uh, we've are we been in place for 159 years, so it's uh, quite a tradition to carry on. <laughs> I've been, I think the longest serving fire department was 60 years I was on, okay. over in Alberta, right? Everything's, we haven't been around as long and haven't been doing as much as you've been doing out here in the East, so... What's it like to be the fire chief of a 159-year-old fire department? Unbelievable pressure.
1: No, Uh, no, there's a lot of traditions that carry on. I mean, they've come a long ways, of course. I mean, the town of Summerside was probably uh, not much bigger than a couple of square blocks, I'm sure, when it started. But uh, there was a major fire in 1906 where 155 buildings burnt. It started on the, the, the wharf down there and uh, with the winds and stuff it swept right through the city and we still have uh, two pieces of the original equipment that were on that fire so uh, and there's a mural on the outside of the wall
0: i saw that yeah and
1: uh, the hand pumper and the old steamer are actually in that mural so it's kind of unique it's going to be a shame when we move to a new building and can't take that mural painted on the brick with us. Yeah, what will you do there? Maybe just take a picture and... Uh, Yeah, I'm sure we'll have to do something, yeah, yeah, cultural and heritage, we'll have to talk to uh, I'll try to sneak up to
0: Station 2 later and see Pete and see if I can't get a look at uh, some of that older stuff. We we can slip out there after we're done with this, for sure. Yeah, because I love the old stuff, right? I'm a big history buff, like history in Alberta means 100 years ago, right? And so Mm -hmm. to, you know, be in a fire department that's been around and for you to be that guy, you joke about it being pressure, but I I feel like it would be anyways, even if you try not to let it. But.
1: Well, we are great community support, and the uh, previous chief was a member of the department for 47 years. I can't. I don't know how long he was chief, long time. But uh, yeah, he set the groundwork for sure and had the foresight to uh, save an awful lot of this equipment. And uh, hopefully we're hoping for a display area in the new building to have this on because it's unbelievable in the summertime how many people stop at the fire station to see old antiques and stuff. Of course.
0: And I mean, like, Summerside is a tourist mecca, right? Like, all summer there's thousands of us stopping in here to (laughs) see what you guys are doing over here.
1: And some information that was passed on to me. So uh, when we leave here, I can show you. So this bed and breakfast right over here, when you look at the foundations and you see brick, that's one of the houses that was in all likelihood burnt during the fire of 1906. They just had crawl spaces underneath them. And after they burnt and they went to rebuild them, they built them up with brick. So you can actually kind of walk through the, the downtown core and uh, see the way that the fire went just by looking at the foundations.
0: Oh, that is it's, cool. Actually. It's kind of, kind of neat. Yeah. Okay. We'll check that out after for sure. To me, I love it here at Summerside. I've been here a couple times now. We're staying in the hotel right across from the Coast Guard, so we, you know, they were just coming back. Last time I was here, I didn't know you and uh, didn't know anything about Summerside, but uh, I've got my rules. If I go somewhere, I got to stop at a fire hall. So I had called you up the day before, and you were, of course, yeah, come on over, no problem, check it out. And so we were down in that big the, the ship, not the boat, but the actual ship that the Coast Guard has. And uh, their boss came, and of course they thought they were in trouble. But then I talked our way out of that. And uh, the guys like, well, we're just going to go out on a quick patrol in the rigid inflatable. You know, I could call the big boss and see if you could come, if you guys want to come. And and of course, Kirsten and I were like, well, no, we can't. We have to go up to the Summerside uh, Fire Hall and and see Ron. And but it's just it's funny how it all connects, right? And uh, mm-hmm. then I left here, and you probably thought. You know there's another tourist i'll never see ever again in my life but uh we managed to stay connected and chat about different things over time and you know during the hurricane i was awful worried about you guys we'll get to that and talk some about that it's just that connection, how we connect across the country. So for me, I really love yesterday. Yesterday, we had a great tour. We went to the uh, PEI Fire Training Center that's run by the Firefighters Association here in PEI. I know that you're a part of that, on the executive of that, and thank you for the tour yesterday. But uh, I want you to tell us a little bit about that training center and how it came about, and, and talk a little bit about Mike. I, I think we owe him that. Yeah, Miles. Uh, Miles,
1: sorry. Miles was a visionary. He was ahead of his time. My goodness, he. Uh, the, the school started, I'm not even sure how long ago the school started, probably 30, 40 years ago, and it was just a, an old trailer that they hauled in, and eventually they put a foundation underneath it, so the theory was taught in the upstairs of the trailer, and the training was, was downstairs. And they had a great group of volunteers and they added and they built and uh, then when Miles retired and we had a retired military firefighter, Rick Niblett, and between the two of them they put like 15 years, seven days a week, uh, just unbelievable. And Miles chased and hounded government and vendors and... What we have today, it's something that we're quite proud yeah, there'll
0: of. There'll be people listening right now that go, ooh. He give me a beating, but I give him some nozzles. Anyways. Yeah, like for <laughs> to, to,
1: to make a deal with Miles Bolter in the PEI fire service, it was something that the, these vendors could put on their resume because they, they did were, well. They're excited that they
0: got a couple bucks, eh?
1: But like uh, when we were there yesterday, I was just showing you the, the equipment on the trucks. You'll never see that volume of, and, and diversity of equipment uh, on a fire truck anywhere is it's he's got everything.
0: What I found amazing there was just uh, everything was so thought out. You're teasing Kenny about giving away all the secrets because every corner that I turned around, I was like, I never saw that before. I never saw that before. And so I got to tell you, I last night sent uh, some pictures to my son because they have their training center in Slave Lake that they've been building up. And I sent some to the deputy back home of the fire department. And I said, uh, we were talking about firefighter survival. And there was the one prop where you had taken the water pipes and run some ropes through them. And so it was kind of push them out of the way or go underneath of them. And I mean, that's cheap, easy. We all have that pipe laying in the yard, right? Ropes. We all have more ropes than we know what to do with that That are not life safety anymore. But someone has to think how to put all this stuff together.
1: And even the uh, like in the, the mock-up house there that we have, like you saw the the old oil lines off of oil trucks, you know, they're heavy, they're rigid, they're. But it simulates, you know, like a, a hose line with filled with water. It's uh yeah, he had great ideas.
0: Well, and those oil lines are incredible. Like I can't tell you how many places I've been where people have tried to fill them with sand or kitty litter. And then everywhere you go, there's sand and kitty litter yeah. falling out of these hoses all over the place. Right. So yeah, the oil line is, uh, those are just incredible ideas. Right. The whole confined space prop. I can't even imagine in their minds how that all came together. Right. But you can actually go down below a tank. And then there's two levels in one tank and a bunch in the other tank. And it it all comes to the top. And so anyways, I was walking around dumbfounded. I didn't know what to say or what to look at next. Uh, Very impressive place. Uh, Lots of space there, beautiful classrooms. I'm going to have to come back sometime in the spring or the fall when you're really training and and see it in in full action. But uh, I got to tell you, I was super impressed. And
1: everything that Miles did there, like – architectural stamps on them and you know like engineered and there's nothing uh, shady or it's done up to code
0: yeah you could tell he probably had some military connections right well, there there's yeah, the, the engineers were available to him and
1: rick was uh, just uh, they, they worked well together they really did it uh, anyways it was a big loss when they when they retired miles had health issues and well rick retired 15 20 years in the military before that but uh yeah he drove to Charlestown from Summerside every day rick and uh yeah they were quite a team
0: anyways they built quite a legacy you could see that there you could feel that everyone talking about the different uh, pieces that everyone built and and then to have a few instructors there having you all there to talk about kind of how the classes run and and uh, the pride that everyone shows i got to tell you sometimes in my consulting world you fail to see the pride And that's why they call us, I guess. That's why we show up. And so when I go places and I see pride times 100, it makes me feel really good. And it makes me kind of work that much harder with the fire service to be like, that's how we should all act and how we should all be.
1: It's a great facility and it's it's a fantastic training area. But uh, without the commitment of the instructors that we have, it just wouldn't go. I mean, we've got 50, 60 uh, instructors that give up a lot of time to go down there and uh, without them, we just couldn't do it. And they're not doing it for the money. I think they get $50 a day, it's uh None of us are getting rich in this business. No, that, that's right, that's right. <laughs> So yeah, we're, we're very fortunate to have them.
0: So we ducked back to your, uh, your fire department here, right? And uh, I got to tell you, as I drive around the city, I see a lot of challenges, right? There's a lot of old buildings, right? There's a lot of buildings. And so as we look out the window behind us and you were talking about this apartment building there, why don't you just run us through that again while you're sitting there staring at it?
1: It was a Sunday night a couple of months ago. We got a call of a, a structure fire in a six unit apartment and it's right across I can throw a rock and hit it straight across from City Hall. We had reports of a 93-year-old gentleman hanging out a third-story window with smoke. Uh, we had two gentlemen on a, outside on the roof. And uh, we had another lady that went up to the third-story apartment to help the old gentleman get out. So she was coming down the fire escape, so we got her off the fire escape. We got her ladder set up, and it was, it was a great effort by the guys that uh, just uh, they picked him out of the window within a few minutes and uh, the other guys really weren't in that much danger at that time so once we got the two main ones out everybody else was escaped through the, uh, the front entrance we got them off the roof and uh, luckily it was it was a quick knockdown great knockdown and save. Just confined to, to one unit. So, and a lot of these old buildings that are converted over to apartments, it's just you never know what you're going to run into. Same as anybody when you go into these. Days, so,
0: one. And I think uh, you know, I could see the pride when you're talking about the knockdown and the, right for me. I look over. It that's a pretty old building and it's still standing. The roof's still intact. There's a few boards on the windows, but you know they held it to an apartment. That's also stuff I love. Right? You've got this fire department that uh, you've got it. You know, it's firing on all cylinders. Everything's going good, and you're knocking down fires. You're doing the training. You're doing all the things you have to do. And this is no small fire department. There was how many people?
1: We've got 58 members. We've got two stations, 20 at one and 38 at, at this one.
0: Right, so training's no small effort around here
1: to train. No, no, that's right. It's, uh, it's And it's trying to juggle around people's schedules. And, but we've got a good training officer, and uh, he lays out the whole plan for the whole year, so... Everybody that has to hit certain aspects of it, they know when it's going to be and it's working well.
0: Lots of big challenges. To get here this morning, I had to drive past the, I think they call it Lobster Wharf or something like that. And so you can see the, the threat to, you know, that kind of infrastructure out on the water and those big buildings, massive buildings right on the water. Yeah, yeah. We just had a major fire.
1: There was a fish mart went up there last winter, I guess it was. Yeah, so it's busy. We average about, we're going to top 350 for calls this year.
0: You know, it's so funny when we're doing these podcasts and, uh, you know, there's always calls that happen in the middle and we got to start and stop and, and do all that stuff. And it really drives you to that point that the fire service never stops. We never sleep. We never, <laughs> yeah. and life happens around us. You come in this morning and you're like, Hey, was your power out? And I wouldn't have noticed I was sleeping, but of course you knew and, uh, power off right now while we're doing this podcast, as a matter of fact. So we'll use the uh, sunlight to go with that. And the generator didn't work. And the generator, yeah. <laughs> so after the podcast, you have just all kinds of things you yeah, got to look yeah, into. Yeah, we'll right? have to check into that for sure. <laughs> When you're in a city as old as this one, and you have the buildings that are the different ages and things like that, what are some of those, like, give us some unique problems that you find in the older style buildings that, you know? We had a fire
1: last January. It was an old, an older home. The exterior of the building was Riverstone from Ireland, I think, the old gentleman told me. So there was three homes built in Prince County, and that being one of them, it was balloon framing. They shipped lumber to Ireland from here, and they had the weight of the the lumber on the ships. When they get over there, they unload the lumber. They had to put something in for ballast, so they river stones. So it sit on the wharf, and this guy decided to. So we had a major structure fire, and uh, with the balloon framing, it was right from the basement, right up to the third story in the attic. We could hear it. We were trying to find it. With the exterior the stone and stuff, It was just keeping it, it was just like an oven. It was, it was a hard, hard one to uh, find. It was going through the floor joists. It was, it was. Baking on the inside basically and. Just cooking, yeah, just like an oven. And even to vent it would be hard through river rock. Like it's not. Yeah, it it was. was. There's all kinds of unique old homes, like you say, you know, building starts out as a big building. And over the course of many years, there's so many additions. We went to the dairy fire just over here and uh, there was three levels of ceilings in it you know so you try to get get up and see and locate you know what's going on and you got another ceiling
0: so you got a vent and you got a vent and it's just, a uh, and it just it, it's tough
1: it's tough yeah so you know i'm sure it's not totally unique to us here in summerside but it's just uh, just one of the issues
0: i think uh, a couple of things when you get to the cities that have been around for a long time right so some of those older cities uh, i'm sure they even have that across the country in winnipeg and edmonton and you know places that that were kind of the firsts right the balloon frame construction is a you know lots of small towns all over the place saw that on their main streets right they would have the store downstairs and a residence above and But, I mean, it's all things that we don't all think about, right? I was from a small town in the north. We didn't have a building in the whole town, older than 60 years old, really. We still knew the guy that brought power to town, right? Had a generator and brought power to town. So it's kind of like when you look over the hundreds of years instead of, right? It's when I go down into Halifax and, you know, this fort's been here since. And you're like, what? (laughs) hard to wrap your head around so let's go by i want to talk a little bit something that you already mentioned which was the historical units right and so you've got some of the old units that you've had here how do you fix those up how do you keep them up how does the city handle the budget parts of that or
1: yeah not a whole lot of our our city buildings are, are that i mean the the addition on city hall i mean they make it look like a period but uh the armories right here was just done over. There was a, a project that that was a year and a half, I think, in the making. City's pretty good. They got a heritage and cultural department that that looks after that part of it. Okay. So do they help with your old trucks then as well? And they don't. She just came over and we just went over all the antiques and stuff that we have for uh, coming up with the square footage for me, on you know for the display area and what what we're going to require, and she's going to catalog it all and. And kind of help out that way. I think if we get it in the new build, it probably will be something that they'll help look after.
0: You're such a cool customer. Your truck just went with lights and siren. I even had to look. You didn't even look over once. <laughs> Yesterday, we're at the school and there's a full on page for a fire and you just acted like it was nothing. I was. You're such a cool customer. I don't even know what to do with you, Ron. <laughs> you
1: know, we, we had an awful lot of retirement. So when I first took over, we had to kind of rebuild and, uh, I guess it, when, when you have the comfort level in, in your chain of command, it's a pretty easy thing to... Now, mind you, if this was a full-blown fire and we find out in 10 minutes, you and I are going for a drive. Yeah,
0: that's right. We're going to have another break. Yeah. <laughs> we'll put it on pause here. No, that's fair. That's fair. No, for we sure. got a
1: great group of guys here. We really do. A, a younger group, but
0: uh, yeah, it's no, working out well. So we're in your fire hall now, right? And I remember last time I came here, I was so struck by this building. It's brick on the outside. It's got the big mural. It's got the big windows around the office, right? The alarm office from back in the day. And you get inside and you guys got a lot of period pieces where you're trying to show off the different parts of the history of the Summerside Fire Department. But it's also got its challenges. And so you're no different than a lot of fire departments like that. So let's talk a little bit about the challenges of your fire station and kind of where you're heading with those challenges.
1: So right off the bat, I mean, we had three ladies, three females, uh, we're down to one right now. We've got one shower in the whole building, you know, for uh, 38 people. But after, in washroom facilities, you know, they're 60 years old and haven't been updated and kept up. We do storm duties, so if there's a, a major hurricane coming or a blizzard or whatever, We do uh, rotation of the engine companies, and uh, so, you know, I've got 10 people here. We've got cots and stuff, but in today's world, you know, they should have their own little cubicle that they could go in. And the doors to the building are original. We've had them fail a couple of times and come down. I mean, uh, not only for a threat to personal safety, but we've got $700,000 trucks and up rolling through these, and uh, they could fall at any time. The floor was built in 1962. The uh, fire trucks were no bigger than the half-ton I drive, you know. Yeah. Well, now we've got, you know, ladder trucks and, and big engines, and there's been some supports put underneath, but fingers
0: crossed. Yeah, it's still, I remember going down in the basement with you for a tour there, right? And, and so in 1962, that was probably something, but... That was a bomb shelter. That's yeah, what it was originally no built beer. for, yeah. But today it's uh, storage or. <laughs> it was just a,
1: a catch all for sixty years. They didn't throw a lot of things out, so I, I had to hire a crew, and uh, they were days with dumpsters just hauling old hoses and just just everything. Just it was just a catch all.
0: Firefighters, hey, eh? what's yeah, wrong with? Yeah, they won't us? throw anything out.
1: <laughs> but uh, seven sump pumps down there to keep up with the water. Yeah. yeah. Seven, oh my. Seven sump pumps, so yeah it's it's got its challenges we lost the roof a couple of times so what happened with the roof is uh, it was a flat roof originally of course they put a truss system on but it's uh, in the 80s or late 70s it was a split truss so it's two pieces but they didn't have a, a main carrying beam through the center to support the weight in the center of the building so when you get the, the big winds and stuff you've got that flex and we lost the roof a couple of times. So that has to be addressed. If they decide they want to keep this, it's, they've got some serious money they have to put onto it too.
0: So you got to start looking at, do we rebuild the whole thing and renovate everything? And what's that worth versus do we start to look forward and build something new? And we did those studies. We did those studies, yeah.
1: And uh, with parking. So in order to get the, the four trucks out of the hall, we have to have three people on each truck. So that's 12 vehicles. Well, through the week you just won't find 12 parking spots. So the guys are just parking hell west and crooked like trying to and get in the building get in the dressed and get in the trucks and go. so And we would have had to buy a couple of properties in order to expand to what we needed and it just it wasn't feasible. So it was, it was good to have that done. Yeah. We also checked into Island EMS or medical or ambulance crew and uh, about coming in with us. And they wanted to come in with us, but financially it just didn't make sense for them, They could, for what it was going to cost them. They could have built a standalone building and had their own. So anyways, we, we did all our, checked all our boxes and
0: ended up buying property where we are. Nice. Okay. So you got some property, we've got so two acres, you're, you're part of the way there, right? So now you, the big plan starts. And, and so I think that, uh, we were talking earlier about how lucky you are to be able to be part of a build, right? Lots of people don't get to do that in their career. So it's not all roses, but, uh, what are some of the fun parts of thinking forward? I think just trying to, I'm um, talking to people like you
1: that, that have seen a lot of halls. I mean, I've seen my fair share, but as far as new builds and renovations, that's what I want to, when we get to the actual design, I, I, I want to, there's a few spots in the Maritimes that I'm going to uh, just take over. Stratford just built a new one just uh, outside of Charlottetown and some nice ideas. I mean, they've got a beautiful f- facility. You did see that, didn't you? Which one? Is- uh, crossroads.
0: You go over the Hillsborough Bridge and Oh I didn't know, but I might I might go over there and have yeah, a <laughs> that's, that's such- You know me, I like to yeah. see a few fire holes. They've got R C M P and EMS
1: and fire in the one building. Okay. So just trying to pick people's brains and, and we were talking before there's so many things and you don't wanna miss and have it done and say,
0: Oh my God, I wish I would have. I think that's, that's kind of the biggest challenge I have. Sadly, I could tell you that'll happen to you anyways. It happens every time. And I think, uh, you know, you're doing the right things. You call other people, you go look at other buildings, you ask people to send you information and pictures. And there's all kinds of, you know, is it post frame? Is it steel frame? Is it concrete? Is it, you know, stick built? Is it, you know, there's all these different ways to, to build it. And fire halls are uh, unique, right? Everybody wants a different look. And then, you know, you have one of the challenges here is you'll try to fit a brand new building into an older looking city, right? And so how do you keep some of the tradition? I was just looking up at the Summerside Fire Department with the rounded doors and the bifold opening doors, right? So, you know, you have a lot of things that you could get away with here that other places couldn't get away with to think about, right?
1: Well, where it's going, it's going up by the malls, uptown. So uh, mayor and council have to decide, you know, what they want it to look like. If it was going to be a renovation down here, it would have been a period look for sure. And bottom line is uh, we we can come up with all the great ideas and all the things that, that we should have and must have. Finances is going to play a big part of it. I mean, the building costs now have doubled in the last year per square foot. That's going to play a big part in it too, I'm sure.
0: Acres Emergency Vehicles, a message from our community. A person who is risking his or her life to save the lives and properties of others deserves something as reliable as an Acres Emergency Vehicle. This is our mission, to thank these people with the best gift we can, our best effort. Our commitment includes a firefighter-driven design, manufacturing integrity, personal and professional service. We are here to serve. We guarantee personal and professional service every step of the way. Acres Emergency Vehicles, built for a life of service. Please visit our website at www.acresev.ca. So seeing over 440 fire departments now, I could tell you that some of my favorites are just the big rectangle buildings. They're kind of plain looking on the outside, but they saved all their money for the inside. They got the plane doors and the plane walls, and the but you get inside and they've spent their money where it counts, where the people are. You know, some of the ones that have uh, Winkler Manitoba, they got a museum kind of right inside their building that you were talking about. You'd like to have some space for that. You know, there's other places that I really love I don't like to name too many because then everyone gets mad I didn't name theirs. But as you travel around, you definitely get to see them. And it's, uh, for me, if you can find one that you really like and say, wow, I like that one. You know, can I see your plans? Can I, what would you have done different? Because you get all that extra knowledge of what they did, what they didn't do, what they wish they would have done. And kind of helps you kind of get through all of those pieces, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, the city and the price are going to be two things that help you decide how it's built, right? yeah, and uh, you know, now, I'm sure the Mayor and council won't
1: be listening to this podcast. I hope not. <laughs> but if we don't get our display area, I was talking to the Heritage and Culture Director, and there's a lot of properties up here on just uh, just a little bit north of us, and uh, you know maybe we have to get a display area for these. I mean, I mean, they were they were saved and looked after and rebuilt. For these antiques, we could put it like a two-bay garage to look like a period building and, and have a display area there, which is, you know, just, I'd rather have it at our fire hall, but.
0: There's nothing like going to a fire hall, though, and talking to a firefighter and have them tell you this. Like, obviously, none of your current firefighters drove those trucks, but they still have the pride. They're still part of that fire department. They still wear the crest and the name. And, And so to me, when I go places, like sometimes I get to a place and just the admin assistant's available for a tour. And, you know, they always try. But it's not like you know. I'm asking a million firefighter questions. And they look at you and they go, "I don't really know what you're talking about, right?" There's nothing like having it at the fire department. So I think you're on the right track. It's just trying to get. Yeah, them. we're
1: we're still hopeful. We're still hopeful. I mean, uh, we've got great support at at city council. So we have got a new mayor. So I haven't met him yet, but I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna be meeting him this week. So. I'll be putting my plugs in.
0: Yeah, of course. That's the whole thing, right? Every time you get a new council, that's always the problem is the training process starts again, right? But uh, they'll all have things that they want to do. So you just got to talk them into making your thing one of his things.
1: Well, the fire department, we do so much in in the community as well. You know, like we're going over to the Bauer First Shift program and there's six of our members that take part in that. One one of our guys is actually the guy that heads it up. And... uh, so we get great support from the community, but we, we give a lot too. And same as every fire department right across the country, you know, we're kind of leaned upon for a lot of things.
0: It's how when we got to spend a lot of money on something that the community can get behind us, right? They get the safety and the security, but they also get all the other things, the fire department. Okay, earlier you had talked about uh, the hurricane. And it's not just the hurricane. You're out here on an island. Right. And uh, there's every storm could be a bad storm for you. You talked about storm shifts. You talked about the hurricane. Let's talk about that for a little bit, because I think a lot of the places where I go, right, central Canada, western Canada, we get bad storms, but it's a foot of snow or something like that. It's, uh, we don't get the winds and whatnot that you get here. There's
1: very few days it doesn't blow here. So when it's bad, it's bad.
0: Yeah, I think
1: this is a new norm for these, uh, these weather events, you know. It's, it's something that uh, the Island Fire services is, is definitely preparing for. We've always been somewhat prepared, but I think government realizes that, and we'll talk in a few minutes about the support that the government's giving us to uh, enable us to uh, be better prepared. But uh, yeah, this, this last one, it didn't hit Summerside as bad as Dorian did. I mean, we had our downed trees and we had our roofs off and we had a uh, lot of schools damaged and different things, the bigger, the bigger buildings, but from Charlottetown East, they got destroyed. Just destroyed.
0: So what's it like? You're sitting in the bays downstairs and there's 180 kilometer hour winds on the other side of that two inch thick door. This place is just rocking.
1: And I'm just listening for the roof to blow off because we just talked about the roof and stuff. But uh, the last repair we did on the roof, we sealed it around. So I think that kept the air pressure out and it worked. It's pretty wild. Then you have to make those decisions. Like with some of the calls, there was so much talk about the the storm and what was going to be coming. And it was uh, unprecedented and people were just scared. The lead up was incredible, I mean, I was terrified. When these winds started and you heard the screaming outside, like a lot of the calls, there was nothing we could do. We can't send the guys up on a, you know, if the roof's blown off and the water's coming in, the water's gonna be coming in until this thing's over. But I think the residents of the city just needed to see us and know that, that we were available. Then it's kind of a dicey thing too, you know, is it safe to send the guys out? So we were basically patrolling all night and once we started that first call, We never really got back in but i was really keeping an eye on things and if it got a little too hairy we were going to have to return to the base and just stay for a few hours
0: it's a lot of pressure right it's that chief pressure where it's like i'm responsible to make sure all these people get home yes they got to take care of themselves too but you feel the ultimate pressure to get them home and we go out when everyone else is hunkering down right during dorian i had two guys where
1: their basements flooded because they they weren't home to get their own generator out and and get this, so we made sure that anybody that needed to go home and man their sump pump and get things going and and check so we had a few guys that had to slip home and i mean I mean they got families and kids home that are scared just as well as everybody else so and you know, you just can't say enough about the the fire service and right across the country and the members that that do this it's uh
0: I think it's a piece that, uh, I don't know if it's councils or the public or, you know, other people forget that, uh, the fire station is more than just a fire station. It's a home for our people and, and it can also be a home for their families because when it's as bad as it is and we got to send them out, they sometimes like to have their families in a nice safe place too, right? Exactly. Exactly.
1: Anyways, like I say, I think this is going to be the new norm. I think it's, uh, I hope I'm wrong, but, uh, anyways, we're, uh, We've got a fantastic EMO plan here in the city. We meet pretty regularly, and, uh, like, we've got our own utility. So power-wise, you know, we even though the, the power was out for a long time, we were sending it from grid to grid just to kind of give everybody a little repeat reprieve.
0: Summerside seems very... Proactive. And self-contained, and, yeah. like, you have your own police force and your own power utility, and, like, they're not waiting for anyone to take care of them. They're going to take care of themselves, right?
1: I work with, for some big organizations through my career, but it's a great camaraderie between the other departments. It's not uh, we're here, you're over there. It's, uh, so it, it, it's, it's unique. You works call, well. they come, man. Eh?
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> and vice well. versa. So you talked a little bit about uh, what the province is doing. And so when we got to the fire school, there was a pretty cool thing going on. So let, let's talk about that now.
1: Yeah, so as soon as uh, Fiona hit, very, very shortly after, like within a week or two weeks, the province contacted uh, the fire, the executive at the school. And uh, a lot of times when there's special funding, they'll they'll funnel it through the fire school because we got the resources to dole the checks out. So uh, anyways, they gave us a a million dollar check. So every fire department, 35 departments, get $20,000 each and then 300,000 of that's going to be used for radio equipment for the island pick system, the radio system. Every department kind of has their own, but uh, analog, and this is a digital system. And uh, just uh, if a radio system goes down, I mean, you'll still have a backup that you can get on, but then when there's a mutual aid or a major event, we've got communication. And then on top of that, they uh, saw the need where there was a lot of people needed a secondary power source, so the province bought 720 generators. Yeah, I've never seen so many generators. Everywhere I go, the fire departments are... So every fire department got 15, and because us and Charlottetown have two stations, we got 30. And that included a gas can for each one and two heavy extension cords for each generator as well. So yeah, it's uh, what I'm hoping to do is meet with our EMO uh, plan and uh, get a registry. So any resident in the city that has a family member on an oxygen concentrator or during Dorian, we had a couple of people that were palliative and had air beds in their, their places and needed power. So anybody like that would be the first place we'd hit, of course. And uh, then from there, if it happened to be uh, a senior's home, maybe we can get some power in a common area. And uh, I think we're going to have to buy some uh, 1500 watt electric heaters and be able to uh, provide some uh, support for uh, a lot of different families. We may end up with 120 people on the registry and we may be going from house to house every four hours. and Charging stuff up. Charging and? stuff up and that, that's a pretty massive undertaking but between all the departments, I think it's something that we can, should be manageable.
0: Well, and I think it's nicer than just taking the two generators you have and trying to figure out a plan at the last second, right? Exactly, yeah. So uh, anyways, and we've got a, through our EMO,
1: all the the church groups are kind of have a, a group formed. So at this apartment fire over here, our fire chaplain, like it was pouring rain, we had 11 people that were displaced standing out on the lawn. Did we take them to the fire hall? Well, there's nobody here to take care of them or anything so anyways he didn't call he didn't initiate a fan out but between all the church groups there's a lot of resources there he took them to his church and uh called in his wife and a few people and they fed them and I gave them all the numbers for the Red Cross. They found he set up accommodations for them. And then
0: after we were done, we transported them all and delivered them all, and everything was good. So, get to do all the things, right? To, from start to finish. That's yeah. kind of feels good for everybody, right?
1: Yeah, it's just another problem that the fire service kind of in the city our size kind of has to take on because, I mean, where do these people go? Anyways, it's great having that resource with all the church groups.
0: Yeah, it, it kind of sounds like uh, connections and partnerships, right? It's a common theme around here. It yeah. uh, keeps coming around. And then there was another program that came after the hurricane as well, which was to equip the fire departments with smaller kind of storm-type equipment. So what's going on with that one?
1: Yeah, so this 700000 that the fire school got, like we got the million, for radios, and then the, every department got $20,000, and they're not dictating what we use the, the money for. They're kind of suggesting that we use it for disaster relief equipment. So chainsaws, pumps, rain suits, flashlights,
0: just kind of the basics that you need. All the stuff you wouldn't normally have kicking around a fire hall. Well,
1: we have, but we just don't have the the numbers and volume that we need when you get a major disaster, you know, like storm surges and, and different things like that. Plus, you know, like now there's 720 generators on the island fire service. And if it happened again, where West Prince or we, us and Queens or Kings get hit hard, we can kind of support our own disaster relief area with the equipment that we have installed together. Yeah, and- like
0: send down a couple of hundred generators from the West to the east you know okay so now we're going to play the wish game i don't know if you listen to any of my podcasts but in the wish game you get three wishes to make the fire service better any three things you want to make the fire service better
1: on the whole province yeah yeah i just wish there was uh enough funding to help the smaller
0: departments i mean we
1: talked yesterday about the crazy increases on every everything that the fire service you know like uh bunker gear going up seven eight hundred dollars a set from the previous year and uh we're getting by, and there, we, we have some departments that are okay on in the province, but there's a lot of departments that are struggling just to put fuel and keep the heat on and, and electricity on in their halls. So I'd, I'd like to see uh, funding available for... That they can self-sustain themselves. Well, my fire hall is going to be number one up yeah, there you too. Yeah, you yeah, know, right. I got to think. I got to think of yeah. myself here. Just hoping that works out
0: well. Yeah, I think a, a new fire hall would help with all of those things you were just talking about, and uh, it helps with membership. It helps with the different types of members you can have, right? Uh, more ladies might be attracted to a place where they actually have their own facilities, and yeah. you know, the storm nights where you're you're here and you can actually get an hour or two of sleep on a, your own bunk. There's something to be said for that, right? Exactly. Yeah,
1: you know, and then, you know, like they do come down and they they stay the night and everything and then they got to get up and they got to go to work or they got to, you know, just uh, be nice for them to get a night's rest if if they get the opportunity. Uh, Another thing is uh, cancer in the fire service. That's a big one. I'd love to see every department have accessibility to an extractor machine where they can. uh, We were talking about our protocols here in Summerside. For decontaminating on scene and then coming back and we've got the bins to put the and a lot of the smaller departments don't have that as well we have to have a number four three's just not enough okay you got it you got an extra one it's you recruitment <laughs> recruitment and retention i mean it's every employer across the country is seeing they can't hire enough people and if they do hire them it seems they get them trained and stuff and then they're, they're gone somewhere else so uh It'd be nice to see the, the fire service be able to attract more people. What's the turnover here? What, how many people do you think you turn over in a typical year? Well, we, we had an awful lot of guys that, uh, and we're going to be into the same thing in another 10 or 15 years, that we had uh, about a third of our department left, but they were all like 30 up to 47-year people. It was just in, you know, like a new leadership, and, I mean, nobody likes change, yeah. uh, but it was just, uh, they did their time. Yeah, they did their time, and... Uh, But I don't know, it's just, it's the Maritime Fire Chiefs and the Canadian Fire Chiefs and talking to a lot of people. And I know a lot of young people don't stay, they're great. We lost three this summer that were, I felt were future leaders, but it was jobs and moving out of the community and. Trying to get all those things, yeah, I mean. And in my day, I mean, when you got a a good job or whatever, you you really didn't even look beyond that. That was your career and stuff, but the, the younger people, they're looking for
0: more money and better well, jobs. S- say people have like seven different jobs now instead of one career, right? Yeah. So it's uh, so that that's kind of my wish list. That it, you
1: know, it's uh, nothing unique to Summerside, but
0: well, I think you do get some unique pieces here, like that summer's busy and that the winter is not as busy, and yeah. right uh, those peak times, peaks and valleys, and. And then retention—you you know, somebody's gonna be here for 30 years, and they want to retire. How do you say no? It's not—you can't be mad at them or upset or. right. Well, nobody it's, can uh,
1: retire for the next five or six years. That's <laughs> that's gonna finish out my term. So I mean, a, after that, ban, they, eh? they can do whatever they want. <laughs> I think it's gonna be a, a crazy, crazy winter for the fire service with the price of oil. I had a lady—we look after the Santa Claus parade, and I had a lady from a drugstore come in, and. Uh, making a donation. We give it out to three community groups that do Christmas hampers for families. So it's usually around 10 grand we raise. And this lady come in and uh, we were talking about the cost of everything. And they've got seniors coming in asking for half their prescription, because that's all the money that they have. And we haven't gotten into the the major part of the heating season yet, you know,
0: it's... So if you can't afford your prescription, how you can afford heat, right? Yeah,
1: so I think there's going to be fireplaces that are going to be used in these older period homes that haven't been fired up in 50 years and probably for good reason. They're going to be using heat sources. So you're worried about
0: fires and carbon monoxide? I think it's going to be a busy year, a really busy winter, yeah. I do. You really see it, um, you know, across the country actually, right? Inflation is inflation and so, you know, people are driving vehicles that aren't as safe and need do things and they got the slick tires but they can't afford new tires so they're doing, they're doing, you know, they're cutting on uh, different kind of bills and heating and using every heating source, you know, barbecue inside the house and stoves and all these dangerous things. but. Yeah, I guess we just buckle up and kind of knock down what we can, right? Yeah,
1: for sure. And there's, there's all kinds of programs that the government's trying to and different
0: community groups are trying to help out, and I just hope it works. And I guess we're there when it doesn't, right? Yeah. It's the sad part of the job is picking up all the pieces, but it's kind of also the good part of the job is we're there to pick up all the pieces, right? All right. I want to talk a little bit about uh, the generational stuff. And so you talked about having people stayed for a long time and they've left now. You talked a little tiny bit. You touched briefly on, you know, when new leadership comes and there's changes and all of those things. So you've been doing it for coming on four years now, Chief? four years. What are some of the the pieces that you're the most proud of and what are some of the pieces that surprised you the most?
1: I think the the biggest achievement for me was uh, I always felt – and I was really close with the chief, like uh, he was the chief, of course. But uh, I always felt that uh, with the pressures on people today, not only in the fire service everywhere, but like like our people, uh, they're full-time jobs. They've got families and children in sports and trying to keep everybody happy. They're making a commitment here. Finances, inflation, there's a lot of pressure on them, you know, and uh, I just felt it was so important to have somebody in-house that they could talk to. So we chucked a few names around. I talked to a few of our guys, I talked to a few people, and and this one name kept coming up. The hair in my arm stands up when when I talk about him. It's unbelievable, the difference he's made in this department. Uh, Not only for our members to talk to, and I don't know how many of them he's talked to, but I know a few. I know we had a tragic accident and one of our members. His father uh, hit a pedestrian and wasn't doing well. And he's not the type to reach out or talk to people. Right, yeah, bottle it up. and They're still meeting. We've had uh, people in the community. So we also run a victim recovery unit for the coroner's office out of our department. So when we get a medical call and it sounds like a, a something of a serious nature, it's a fire chaplain or pastor, Corey Summers. We go on these medical calls. EMS is half hour out. Corey's there. He's meeting with the family. So we're doing... And you know as well as I do, there's nothing glamorous about CPR and different things. And he's got the families in the back. And unfortunately, sometimes things don't work out well. And it turns into a pretty tragic day. So, you know, EMS gets there and they pronounce them. And the the family member's gone. And we leave. And then we go and we get our other vehicle and we come back. And he's still there with them. We do our thing. We leave. He's still there with them. And he meets with some of them ongoing. So I think uh, that's probably one of the biggest thing for the mental health part of it for not only our members, but the police are starting to use them too. And my only fear about that is I said to them, don't burn yourself out. (laughs) You know, if we need to take a second one on for the police,
0: we will. I, I remember Roy Langer from the Salvation Army. He helped us through all of our stuff with our town when it burnt down and all of that stuff. And I saw him like three years later and he was just a shadow of his former self. And and he was doing a talk, of course, because he can't stop. He was doing a talk about taking on too much and, you know, all the hurricanes he'd been to down in the States and all the devastation. And he would say, I almost thought I was bulletproof. I, I didn't think anything would ever get me. And then all of a sudden one day I'm sitting there shaking in my car and it got me, right? And so it is, you're right, it is so important. I mean, that's part of recruitment and retention. It's part of the new people that we have. And uh, so I'm happy that, to hear that you got that new strategy going. I think sending the,
1: the message out to the membership that it's okay to be upset after a call. I got a call from a, a firefighter in a nearby community, not neighbor or anything, and I uh, they had a motorcycle accident. There was a fatality and a new firefighter, and the young fellow was struggling. He was struggling, and uh, he was told that that's the fire service and you have to learn to live with it. So they were wondering if I could connect the dots. So anyways, I call Corey, and they made the connection, and, yeah, it made a
0: difference. Yeah, just talking about it will make a difference. But or- just
1: uh, getting that, that old way of thinking out of the way that it's it, – don't show your emotions and this is what we have to be and
0: I couldn't be here today if the very first time I was two weeks into the fire service and I ran into my first roadblock and that first captain Bell Reeve if he would have just said oh whatever and walked away or said suck it up kid I wouldn't be here today right and so I'm with you I think we all have to work on making sure that we open up different communication avenues and different ways to do it and understanding that we all need something different right some need the religious aspect of it and some don't. And I always think like the best ones know when is the right time. They know how to
1: pour it on or take it off. It's watching this guy. Religion doesn't come into it at all. And, Unless and, you he know, needs it to. And right? I heard some, some, some <laughs> of the older guys were there, oh my God, what's he doing now? You know, bringing a pastor in. But if you watch this guy on our training nights or our meeting nights, he's just going through the crowd and he's just, it's amazing to watch him. Just an awesome counsellor, right? Yeah, he really, really is. And, uh, you know, there's there's a few situations where I'll call him up and say, listen, I kind of heard that this and this is going on with this member and just maybe you want to put the feelers out. And, uh, yeah, so working out great. A few other things, uh, getting our, our SOGs. Uh, we've got an amazing set of SOGs and uh, just being uh, a little more uh, conscientious of, of what we have to do and how we have to do it. But other than that, it's really, it's just kind of tightening up a few things, and I think we've we've made great strides forward the The guys have bought into it, and uh, yeah pretty
0: pretty happy with the way everything turned it's out. Nice when you get a pretty uh, stable set of tracks to start with, and you just yeah. have to make some tweaks, right? That's right. Just kind of brought
1: us up a little little forward in uh, the way of thinking and stuff, but uh, Certifications, I'm big on that. You know, if anybody wants to take any training, we're pretty fortunate with our training budget that, it, that it's there and- yeah. uh, Able to train everyone up to standards and- Everybody has to be level one to start with and then uh, level two, if they want to take it, it's by all means. And then the school offers all kinds of certifications and different things, so.
0: Fantastic. All right, what else you got? We're running short on time, but that's okay. We always got to fit in a little bit more. I think I produced a lot more than I thought I even knew, so I think we're doing good. You know, I love this part of uh, the podcast, Ron, is everyone kind of, you are you know, every, you're no different. Everyone's a little nervous to do it, but yeah, you know, I'll do it. Yeah, no problem, right? But at the end of the day, it's just a really good chat about the fire service, right? I, mean, I could talk all day about the fire service. Right, you know, we tell a few stories and uh, we get to talk about the pieces that make us proud and the, the pieces that we're trying to figure out, and I think at the end of the day, that's kind of, What my whole podcast is about and i think that uh, as two chiefs sitting here we got some pretty similar ideas about what to do to help the fire service
1: and another thing i'm just going to add in there you know uh, an older chief told me years ago that uh, one of the most amazing training aspects for for the the senior management is to go to these maritime fire chiefs for us Mm -hmm. and and the canadian fire chiefs that's where it really kind of hits home that no matter how you're thinking that your department is and stuff your situations and problems are the same right across the country. And it's just nice to, uh I'm not a big person just to walk into a room and mingle through, but when you go to these functions and, you know, you start talking to people and uh everybody's got kind of the same issues. And it's kind of nice, a little reassuring to know that you're kind of on the right track. I'd encourage everybody to attend those, if at all possible.
0: No, I couldn't agree more. I I uh, was just having that fight, that talk budget the other day that... uh You know they thought that we put too much in for people to travel and I was like well we have a training conference a national conference and then basically a product conference and I said you'd have to explain to me how that's not important to the fire service and you'd be up pretty late trying to explain to me how going to these different conferences and learning about different products and different ways of handling cancer and stress and PTSD and
1: that filters right down through the department so that knowledge and that training you know it's it's it's, it's, it's crucial. It's it crucial. Is it really is.
0: Awesome. Okay. Great place to stop. Ron Enman, Summerside PEI, Fire Chief. Thanks so much for your time today. And, uh, I just enjoy everything that comes next.
1: All right. Well, thanks a lot for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to Growing Up Fire today. Follow me on Instagram at Chief Coots to comment or send questions. We appreciate your support.